Hey guys, welcome to the CP Junkie podcast, where we bring you interviews with dentists sharing their CPD stories and journeys from around Australia. What better way to learn than to follow those who've already done it before? CPD Junkie is Australia's most comprehensive CPD, so head over to cpdjunkie.com.au and become a member for free to access the full features of the site. I'm your host, Lawrence Stone, and tonight we are joined by Dr. Agnes Lai. Agnes Lai obtained her BDS from UCID in 2002. After practicing as a general dentist in Singapore and metropolitan Sydney, she went on to complete her D-Clin Dent in prosthodontics at UCID in 2009. She is also a contributor to the textbook Oral Rehabilitation, a Case-Based Approach. Currently, Agnes practices prosthodontics in private practice at Sydney Prosthodontic Group, Chatswood, as well as a clinical specialist at Westmead Oral Restorative Sciences Department in the public sector. Agnes has been a past lecturer of oral rehabilitation at UCID, where she was involved in both the undergraduate and postgraduate teaching of prosthodontics and dental implants. She currently maintains an ongoing clinical educator role to the current DMD in prosthodontics. She has served on the Federal Executive of the Australian Prosthodontic Society in the past and is currently serving as a state representative for the Australian and New Zealand Academic Academy of Prosthodontics. Dr. Agnes Lai, welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Hi, Lawrence. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Um, so you've mentioned you've won the GS Card Scholarship in Prosthodontic Dentistry and the Faculty Research Prize during your undergraduate degree. Would you many- say you were <laughs> destined for prosthodontics back then already? Or would you say that, you know, it took some years before you kind of decided you wanted to specialize? No, I think it definitely took some years. Um, back then, I, like many dental students, I would say, um, you know, I, I haven't really found my feet into what I really love doing. Um, I would say actually I, I enjoyed um, oral surgery at that time. Um, I also enjoyed, um, no, I, I get good marks at tooth cons and, and all that, um, you know, but I wasn't, definitely wasn't the student with the most number of crown preps or whatever to graduate with. Um, however, I believe the reason why I probably won that prize in in third year would have been um, a written paper in occlusion. So maybe I I had something with occlusion back then. Um, But no, I had no idea I would become a prosthodontist one day. Um, That came several years after. Yeah. So you briefly worked as a general dentist in Singapore. Tell us a little bit about that time and that process and what ultimately led you coming back to Sydney to specialize. Okay. So pretty much always been a Sydney girl. So um, I grew up here uh, since basically primary school onwards and um, very protected uh, home setting. Um, So, you know, I basically took every opportunity that I could uh, since uni to to feel a little bit more independent, (laughs) if that's so to say. So it was a fantastic experience. in, so I went through the BDS program at the time straight from high school. So that was a five-year program. 
And uh, in third year, we could do a international exchange. So I took upon that opportunity and uh, did an international exchange uh, and that was to Singapore. And um, so at that time I made uh, some friends uh, and some connections there. So I guess maintaining that connection um, when I graduated from university, um, of course they were like, oh, what about the prospect of coming here to work in Singapore? And um, so the, the door were semi-opened, like I already had colleagues graduating the same year from uh, you know, National University of Singapore and they, they knew all the avenues to look for work. Um, and, uh, and as you know, Singapore is very open to expats. Um, so at the time uh, I could just get an employment pass and my uh, degree from Australia was uh, mutually recognized over there. Um, so there wasn't any other external examination required. It was quite an easy process. Yeah, so um, I guess when I embarked on uh, that journey, starting my first year dental career um, after dental school had always been a temporary one. It was more um, an experience and a time where I could also be a bit more intrepid to travel different places um, because Singapore is such a, a centralized destination, not like all down south in Australia. So um, I spent a year there. Um, yeah, so it, it was good in that um, that learning curve was very much there. Um, I got to work in a, quite a big practice where uh, there were people who could mentor me with oral surgery. There were also um, prosthodontists um, that was there. Um, there were different opportunities. So like here, how um, you can organize a charity trip to um, fill in a gap or, um, or to India. So in Singapore, there were opportunity to um, help people in need in Bali. Um, Dr. Mara Elliott was running trips um, every six months to help the cleft lip and palate. Uh, it was quite structured. So, you know, um, definitely learning opportunities were there. And then, um, but, but it was very hardworking. So um, I had to work certain nights and weekends and it wasn't as free to travel as I thought it would have been. Um, so at the end of the one year, uh, I just took a few months break to do the travel that I wanted to and then um, come back to Australia. Yeah, where my home is. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I, I'm sure the weather here is better, hey. <laughs> oh, I, I actually got quite used to um, that, that mugginess and, and the heat in Singapore. Um, the heat actually never really bothered me. So I... I definitely enjoy the sun. I'm not the type to carry my um, the umbrella. And I remember how um, on first arrival, uh, all, well, all the Singaporeans thought it was really strange that um, I would want to go for a hike, you know, in Bukatima and like, you know, and, and other places. And, um, but yeah, I, 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 I wanted to get a tan once upon a time. I've got to be more careful now that I'm older. <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah. Fair enough. So tell us a little about that, your CPD journey up to that point, you know, when you came back to Sydney and you were working as a general dentist. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I actually feel 
my early career journey was um, very limited in, in, in retrospect, knowing what I do know now. Um, having said that, I, um, I went to uh, some local study group. Um, I had some Invisalign training because um, the practice I worked in uh, was an Invisalign provider and I had a limited field of that mentorship. Um, I went to a more uh, industry-driven type of courses. So, you know, those anterior-posterior composite courses that are run by actual um, company or suppliers, um, I went to those. Um, and I, in particular, though, uh, I really enjoyed and I was um, a, a member for the American uh, Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. And you begin to uh, get to see the type of caliber of work that, um, that people deliver. And then I suppose, you know, um, and then I, in, back in Sydney where uh, I was then doing things in my own comfort zone. And um, I was in a practice where there was a lot of TMD cases um, because my principal at the time uh, was quite strong in managing TMD patients. So in a typical practice, you may think, oh, the stats is like 10% TMD patients. So in the one of the practice that I was working in, I would say it constitute about 80% of the patients and um, she would stabilize them and then do a pros rehab. Um, I wasn't so, I was probably the associate that was dealing with the other 20% while she focused on those cases. Um, but nonetheless, uh, she gave me the mentorship where I could um, uh, be more comfortable to rehab, say, quite moderate to severe wear, uh, where I have to open OVD um, and deal with the rehabilitation in, in those. And after several cases of um, doing those bigger rehab, uh, I feel that, you know, short span, single unit, uh, when it's not related to a major rehab type of indirect cases, um, I would attempt. Um, but it doesn't matter how, how many case study you see in amazing journals. Um, I was not able to feel like I could practice within that comfort zone to convert them. And I remember even though I would stabilize the new jaw position and, and have the, the patient quite comfortable in the composite buildup, that is the point where I would uh, refer to my favorite prosthodontist at the time, uh, that was Markin. And he'd write me back some beautiful letters um, acknowledging what lovely work I had done and, and how he continued to look after my patient. And I suppose that was, the point where I was discovering, oh, maybe I really like doing pros because there was that process in really um, returning a smile. There was that process of um, restoring dentition to, to give back a smile and the functionality that they have. And I just felt very uncomfortable about doing it direct versus indirect, you know, and um, yeah. And, and, as you do more, you begin to know more your limitations as well. 
And um, yeah, so those, those were the beginning marks of where I felt I wanted to learn more in prose. Wasn't because uh, I want to be a specialist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I guess for a lot of us new grads, I guess we didn't realize, or I mean, I was just saying it to another guest as well, that the CPD that we're faced where, where, you know, we get a pick from now is a lot more diverse compared to what you guys probably had, which was, like you said, more industry based, wasn't it? Mm. So it was interesting because when I had the conversation, I remember the person who I am very grateful to, who probably curated me to become a prosthodontist. Um, I owe a lot to Professor Ivan Kleinberg. Um, he was the dean at the school and very much the head of prize even in my undergraduate years. And I have crossed paths with him in um, different conference meetings, whether it was um, in Singapore, so he was an international speaker, or whether it's back in Sydney. And, you know, from my perspective, entering prize gave me an opportunity to learn more about, you know, your fixed and removable prize. Um, but, uh, and, and I would share that, you know, of course, from a theory base, um, I had demonstrated it, a, a strong inkling to occlusion, you know, even since I was undergrad. And I have a very good understanding um, and foundation in, in regarding uh, pain um, theory. Uh, and the theory in management. <laughs> but, you know, uh, when I think he particularly wanted me to do um, his PROS program was because of my exposure being where I worked. Um, and the different, you know, as you know, uh, in particular to occlusion and TMD, there are quite a number of dividing schools and theories, um, you know, and uh, at that time, because of the setting of where I worked, I, I went on a 60-hour residency uh, learning about sleep and TM day. And, you know, I feel even now, I, I would say I, I can see where a lot of the confusions are perhaps in, in many dentists who would ask certain questions because sometimes the thoughts can be quite dividing depending on who you listen to. But my take-home comment is that, you know, even though the, there, there are still um, many different approaches, in the end, I feel I, I still have learned a lot in the different um, CPD that I had been. However, I had never just took on the one belief, even if I attended a course that is very, very strong in one, one way. Um, or one set of belief, um, I always would go back to my fundamental and apply my own critical thinking. And I think Prof Kleinberg also had seen that in terms of um, when I reflect what I had learned from those courses. And I'm quite, I'm very grateful of the decondent process because even though perhaps by nature, I had always been um, a, quite a, a a critical thinker but not a critical person <laughs> um and but that process just extended myself that bit more to be able to not have um 
too biased of you. We all will have our internal biases. We all will have. Um, but to be able to actually uh, try to seek the the answers and the evidence for the different views to have a little bit more balanced conclusion or perspective. I think that's really important. Um, often you would go to uh, listen to different CPDs and I, I'm quite sure you all agree that even when the presenter provide an evidence-based approach, the evidence they give, of course, will back up what they say. Right, um, but I think I value more in, in those who would also give the evidence of the others and be able to rationalize why they have then drawn the expert opinion to, to what, what it may be. So, um, so yeah. Hmm. So it's important to fact check, hey? This is basically what your, your main point is. I think, you know. Yeah, because, you know, I come prepared, Lawrence, you, your, <laughs> your questions in all the previous um, uh, CPD, I think a very valuable one is often you would ask, um, you know, what's your favorite CPD or, you know, what CPD you walk away from that you find just useless. I, I think, you know, I, I just really, I'm not waiting for you to ask me, you see, I, I just really want to get the message out there. Um, you know, to recent graduates in particular, that you are a very selected cohort where you're very smart already to, to have been where you are and have completed dentistry. But I do believe um, where, how you could further extend yourself is that you should always go into a CPD or any situation in life and think of yourself like a sponge that you are able to pick up um, whatever information and apply your own critical filter to then apply in, in the style that suits you because we're all different in ability. We're all different in character and actually how you apply it is the most useful. If you walk into it, um, with a lot of skepticism and pretty much like a cement. And especially if you're very stuck in one way and that's it. And, and you know, then I find that um, no matter how, how great the delivery of a CPD or how much people try to deliver, um, then you, you just won't be able to apply. I, I think there are always situations where you would learn from. Um, I still learn a lot, even if I convene CPDs, um, gather different speakers. And, you know, even thinking back to the time where I ran extended fixed pros year by year, you would think it's like, you know, a very similar program. And yet each year I would say that I'll still take a lot of learning from it, um, whether it's content or it's in organization or it's in dealing with people communications. So, um, so yeah, I think, Keep an open mind and um, and be critical on content, but not towards people. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so I guess yeah, for many recent graduates, I mean, uh, feel like they are expected to be you know more competent in prosthodontics than you know dental implants very quickly, especially in this given competitive Sydney dental market. You know, what would you say to them? How would 
they best approach that kind of journey? I think um, be very mindful. Um, it's it's almost like, uh, you know, have you heard of in children with delayed gratification? <laughs> I know that it is no kids so temptious <laughs> to just want to be all and, and do all. But unfortunately, um, I, I have to, I don't know if this is a motherly term, but I mean it in it with all due respect. And I know that many of you are so skillful in many, many ways. Um, but I think that they're, pay attention to in particular when the people say, I've got a secret to share with you, or um, there are shortcuts or, um, you know, because to me, especially when you're just learning something, it is so important to get the foundation right and to actually execute all the little steps that you're taught. And I think that fundamentally, especially in dental school, there, there is a reason why you are taught in that structure and in that way. Um, and I think it, it is very important to that developmental journey. And you may find that, and I certainly have, um, as I develop my skill, even come up with my own shortcuts, right? But I, I have come about to do certain things in a faster way because I have actually been through that journey and have come to know how I do things, what I do, and therefore cut certain steps. But you have never really seen me go out there to teach students, look, do it this way, because it will be faster. Because as I now have taught or, or worked with, um, I'd like to even see my uh, undergraduate students as my future peers. So let's not say taught, like, you know, share my journey with many people. Some are very visual, some are very audio, uh, some are very high intellect, um, but it takes some time to connect to the actual application. And there is no one more superior way than another. We are just different. So I do believe, however, is that before you can run, you gotta learn to walk and walk well. Otherwise, even if you buy the nicest pair of Nikes, you know, you can put them on. But unless you actually have learned to walk, then, you know, you, you may not be able to use, utilize the, the most fancy tools. So, yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think now, now, now we're um, approaching the dental students. I mean, we just had them on um, yesterday, you know, a third year and final year dental student. Um, and they were just talking about, you know, they're one week into their stricter lockdown measures now. You know, would you say, would you say there's anything that, that you would say to them during this time to be spending at home whilst they're, you know, trying to absorb what you've just mentioned? I think do not feel that you're losing the race at all because in the end it is your very own personal journey and um, just utilize this time to really hammer onto the fundamental in terms of the theory. Even if you focus on the theory, it, depending on how deep you go, um, 
it, it can take up a lot of your time, right? And I would still like, you know, while it's okay and, and go, go for it, watch, you know, there are so many different online videos that you can find now on procedures. But go back to how you've been taught and you can mentally rehearse and understand how things are done. You, you can remember so particular shortcuts in your mind. But I would say before you attempt that shortcut, let's do what you can do step-by-step step well. I'm not rejecting any of the other methods at all, but as you are embarking and doing this beginning process, because this is the time now that you should be doing it slowly step-by-step. Should you want to maximize it so that one day as you go into practice, you know, you, you soon realize that out of that learning environment, there are other things to weigh up on that may not allow you um, that same comfort zone to do things step by step. And whilst you may feel you are losing certain clinical time, um, you know, I, I used to be a gymnast and I remember um, before my routine or I have a major competition, you know, you, you sit there and you do a mental walkthrough of your routine. So I don't have an apparatus at home that I could just do flip on the beam or whatever. But, um, but certainly, you know, just because you're out of the clinic environment right now, as you go through all your theory, and even if you walk through the procedure, I would do step-by-step step in my mind and, and rehearse that, you know. So then when, when you do go into the clinic again, you do not lose touch. So I do encourage those uh, students to uh, allocate a decent amount of time because this is the time now to go hard on the theory. Um, abide by, of course, the fundamental in the curriculum, but you can extend certain clinical questions yourself to try and find the evidence, uh, especially if you're curious about something. Start applying your postgrad mentality. So. Um, outline the question, find the evidence, screen that yourself. Extra time, bonus mark, do that. Allocate certain time as well daily to do this mental walkthrough of the clinical procedure. Picture yourself like, you know, in the clinical setting, what are the different instruments you will have out, set out so that, you know, you don't have to keep asking your DA or go back to issue point to get. Be familiar with all your equipment set up. And walk through again, like how you would numb the patient or like, you know, put on the procedure. Um, you can do all this mental preparation. And if watching videos help, then great. But as I say, don't expect to apply different techniques in, in the uni setting where you may then feel, well, why can't I do that here? Because of many different reasons, you, you may not be supported to do different techniques. But one fundamental comment is that it, it may just feel as though, well, unless as educators, we know that you understand what you're doing and being able to actually take all the steps well that you do, the basics, um, you don't we don't already have enough clinical time to check through all this. So how can we support you in different ways to try a variety of things? So there are many different reasons why I, I feel and having been an educator myself to give you that little bit of advice there in such a way. 
but um but yeah so then when when you're back in the clinic you're pumped last lockdown i remember ben ben was really good it's not just um an adaptive thing for students even in private practice you know when we were shut down and we didn't have patients um you know the clinic was very good to still support and and employ all the staff and you know there was a process of still even without patient getting the staff to um, set up the surgical and pack up and like you know so that they do not forget how to do set up and pack up so you know a lot of those um, worries that you have now as a professional person and as an adult identify the challenge and actually think and apply strategies to pre keep yourself prepared and keep yourself ready for action but if you do none of that and just go oh you know it is all challenging well we will all empathize in the end then that makes a difference between someone who just have a complaint versus someone who have a challenge but they have actually demonstrated the thinking ability to actually try and mitigate it and try to organize themselves um, to over that come that challenge if that makes sense yeah 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 that definitely makes sense <laughs> it, it reminds me of a time when i was um back at uni when one of the colleagues also said to me you know um just try to visualize what you're doing try to memorize it and how it feels and what you're going to do um and on top of that you know um it, it, and it might translate to real life as well when you're planning for difficult cases earlier on you want to have it all written out somewhere um, so that when you go into clinic, you're not flustered as well. Um, and then you can always refer back to it so yeah. you, and, and follow that kind of process. I mean, I don't know if it still happens now, but um, for, for the students, but yeah, that was definitely something when you were I, talking about that, that's what it reminded me of. But in the end, I think each individual have to take it to their own context. Um, I don't feel that this is absolutely the only way. Um, you know, I, I do know that, you know, for me, it worked very well back then in tooth cons where you have to write out all the steps. You have to draw your cavity prep in buckle view, side view, you know, occlusal view. And to some, it's very annoying, right? Like, why, why do I have to draw it out with my hands when maybe they have a lot of clarity in their mind? Um, and, you know, and this brings me back to sometimes there's two layers from from the educator's point of view um, we just really looking for way to ensure that you have a good understanding but you know having through that journey and i appreciate actually people learn in different way and they deliver in different ways i can appreciate that perhaps after what i spoke about today you you feel very disagreeing for some they they would like oh yeah i can close my eyes and really visualize everything and i feel rehearsed but for some who are maybe not visual, uh, well, do it your own way. I don't know whether you audio record all the steps and play it through your ear every day. Or, but you get the jits. Well, all I mean is find a way that you can rehearse through, whether it's visual or write it or, you know, you, that's what I mean by 
I'm relying on you now to be a sponge. Don't judge me like a cement. <laughs> Just take this information that I'm trying to say to you and apply it in your own way. So, you know, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> uh, definitely food for thought for a lot of the students here, hey. Um, so you've worked with some of the biggest names in the Australian um, prosthodontic world. Could you tell us uh, what it's like to work alongside such great clinicians and academics in their field? I'm, I am. I am actually very, very lucky and I'm so humbled by the fact that I, I went through my pros journey with some very amazing people. Um, some of them were already amazing at the time, so such as like Max Casato and Glenn Lidlow. Um, and some of them become more amazing people as well as, as we have completed now more than a decade, like, you know, Ben and Ken and Alan and Twan. Um, but, you know, and, and then when I came out, suddenly I came from someone who uh, didn't even know what great courses to do um, and was, you know, in, on average par going along to suddenly working for people like Dan Brenner, um, Anthony Ow, and now I'm with Ben. So, of course, I think that Declan Dent process really changed all my opportunity and all the connections I have with people. They are all fantastic in, in their own ways. Um, even though you might think prosthodontist, um, and and I admit to it, uh, in that we, where, or anyone who specialises, we become so knowledgeable uh, and in depth in in really that small window of discipline. <laughs> And we do, we just end up knowing a lot about something so little. And, um, but, you know, it, but even in, in that little window of pros, there are people who are great communicators. There are people who are fantastic educators. There are people who are uh, very good with business. And the only common thing I think they all have though, is they have very clear goals and vision. And once they can visualize some things, they can map their way out. Um, and they're great leaders, all of them. And, um, and all of them are very, very generous with their knowledge um, and, and generous to share. So, um, so yeah, I've been very lucky. So, I mean, we're talking about goals and, um, you know, setting goals and achieving them. What, what are your kind of goals for the next five years, either yeah, clinically can, or non-clinically? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so my, I mean, my children are very young. Uh, so I can share with you I, my immediate goal, um, a few. So, okay, I, after I've shared that I used to be a gymnast, I always thought I was pretty fit. And even after three children, I, I still felt I was pretty fit. And people are just being kind as I piled on my weight that never said anything <laughs> until um, about two months ago, back in May, uh, after my COVID vaccine, I blame it on the vaccine now, it's COVID. <laughs> um, you know, I started for the first time after practicing 20 years, 
you know, started to have uh, some spine, spinal neck problem. And uh, it was a big wake up call. I mean, I've always said it by my lips that, you know, I, I could wait loss like this. Um, but obviously I, I didn't act upon it until now. I hope it shows. <laughs> so, um, so I've lost 10 kilos in uh, seven weeks. Wow. And I would like Congratulations. to. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so my immediate goal right now is to maybe lose another four and just be really healthy because I think um, many of us, we, we forget, you know, and I don't want you to forget that you are all very special human beings. Um, you know, do not let dentistry define you. I, I, I'm actually very proud that, you know, in, in my local community, and when I go to my children's school, um, you know, people just see me as a community member, as a mom. And of course, they, when they know what I do, um, it's just a part of me, but it does not define me. And I think that's really, really important, um, you know, and, and I think to know that sometimes I, I love dentistry and I love prosthodontics and, you know, I, I'm very happy that uh, I'm a prosthodontist and it's able to complement my lifestyle and um, my my standard of living with the family and et cetera, et cetera. And, and especially through this very hard time um, with so many people in the industry uh, suffering. So, you know, my, my other pet favorite is I, I used to do musicals. So I really have my heart felt for all the performers and, you know, people who are in, in that entertainment industry right now. So tough. So, you know, and, and in that same context, um, I'm happy to be employed in the public sector where, you know, as you all know, um, Westmead and another dental hospital at the moment is um, under very strict uh, closure or limited work. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't have too much more information yet. Last year, I got deployed to uh, work with Workplace Wellness, but I got a lot of gain out of that in terms of learning about growth mindset, how to change habits, um, which actually helped my patient conversation, how to deal with them risk management with caries or parafunction to guide their way to set their own goals. Um, and, you know, to learn about culture and organizational development. So a lot of growth there that then, you know, as a sponge, I apply to my workplace and to my family. So this upcoming term, unfortunately, they put wellness virtually, so they don't need human beings face to face. <laughs> but um, so we'll be doing uh, vaccination. So I don't have too much more information, but it is you have to maintain flexibility in life. And if if you maintain that growth, happy mindset um, and then no matter where you go, you won't be limited. Um, you will always be able to find ways to adapt, to change, and to be able to have that resilience and um, adapt through change and, um, yeah, make, make it beautiful for yourself and those around you. 
Wow, so many gems. So, oh man, <laughs> I, I have so many questions I want to ask, but you know, we're approaching that time now. I don't want to keep you for much longer. So, Dr. Agnes Life, thank you for coming on the show. Just call um, me I, Agnes. <laughs> I think, I think, no. So, it's we're all human beings first, but um, I, I'm always open to anyone who would like to connect and, you know, and if they want to talk about things like feel free to to make that contact and but of course if I can support you in any way as a prosthodontist I'm more than happy to do so but um yeah but thank you very much for having me Lawrence it's been lovely thank you for coming on the show today if you let the people know how they can reach out to you and what's kind of going on in your life um so you can find me uh via my social media, I suppose, <laughs> um, or like, you know, if, if you're a Sydney cider and um, you, you need that support, um, I practice privately at Chaswood at Sydney Prosthodontic Group. And I also practice in the public sector in Westmeads um, or restorative sciences. So those are the dental setting, which uh, will be able to help you. All right. Thank you. I hope you have a good night and, um, you know, hopefully won't be in this lockdown for too much longer. Hey, no, it's all trying times, but Hey, together we can get through it. Mm. That's right. That's right. Have a good night. Good night. <laughs>